Hey kids, this is me, your dude, Isaac Robots. We're back with another super exciting, super fun episode of World Famous. This time out, we're going to do the top five movies of the year. It's going to be great. Going to open up some stuff. Going to talk about wrestling toys. But until we can get all that, Grandmaster Grandpa Kick that OKIC ロボットレッツゲットディスパーティースタートドライトレッツゲットディスパーティースタートドクイックリー This is World's Famous with IC Robot. Hey, this is Miyazaki Robots. We're back. This is going to be a really fun episode. We got the top five movies of the year ahead of us, and I got to say, man, I have been, I have been ruminating on this almost every day since the last episode dropped. I mean, longer than that, but like I have spent time every day trying to put this in order. There are some things that I know. There are some things I know that belong in certain places, and I wonder if there might be a little controversy involved with placing these things there. Ultimately, I don't care. It's my list. It's my list of the things I like the most, and you can disagree with it or agree with it as you see fit. That's fine, but I do want to I do want you to know that this year I really really did struggle with the placement of certain things. This was a tough one. And then there are movies that I would kind of forget about that belonged on the list, things I saw earlier in the year. Making the top five is hard. You got to balance a lot of different things into it. Is it the movies that were the best? Is it the movies that, you know, were technically the best, the movies with the best uh, cinematography or the best screenwriting or acting? Or is it the movies that you personally thought were the best. Let's say, for example, you went to see Paul Blart Mall Cop, and you thought that this was the funniest movie you had ever seen in your life. Even though you know it's not a very good movie, you personally, for whatever reason, maybe you were a mall cop, I don't know, whatever reason, you thought this was the best movie. Do you go ahead and put it as the number one movie in a year where a movie like Oppenheimer exist or a movie where like Killers of the Flower Moon exist? Do you put it over because you liked it more? I would say no. You do not. It has to be a combination of both. It has to be a combination of a movie with a lot of a lot of technical advantages and a movie with a lot of personal advantages. That to me is what makes the top five so difficult because you have a lot of different philosophies involved. Some people think this, some people think that, but when it comes down to it, ultimately, this is the IC Robots Radio top five list of, uh, of the year. This isn't the filmmakers magazine list of the year. This isn't the screenwriter magazine of the year. This isn't the special effects of the year. This is the IC Robots Radio movies of the year. And these are the ones that combine all the different qualities that I like in a movie. It's fun, man. It's fun to make these, but it is a bit difficult. Then you also have the thought of art being a subjective thing. Do you have the right to go ahead and judge art when it's all very subjective. And I say, as a matter of fact, yes, you do. Because in the world, there is art, but there's also good art, and there's bad art. There's art that you like that is bad, and there's art that is good that you don't like. These are all things you have to factor in. It's fun. It's good. It's good to make lists, good to rate things. We're going to, we're going to jump forward. We're up against it, man. On KRJF, they got me on a tight time schedule, and I got to keep these things flowing Got to keep these things going. Let's move forward. We're gonna we're gonna open up a Motu on the radio. It's gonna be great. Masters of the Universe. There is only one man who can strike fear in the hearts of the mutants. Only one man with the power to seize control of the Tri-Solar Galaxy. No matter what it takes. 
Only the most powerful man in the universe, E-Man. This is the Mo2 Minute with the man who sold Kaldor the acid that burnt off his face. I see robots. Yes, in fact, there is some truth to that statement. I wasn't the guy who directly sold him the acid. I was kind of a middleman in there. I just wet my beak on the acid sale, and eventually he dropped it on his face, and his face melted away. It's a very sad story. Eventually, he became Skeletor, a beloved character. So in the end, I think that we can say it worked out. We're going to open up a figure in a second. It is a Masters of the Universe Masterverse with 30 points of articulation. If you listen to a couple episodes back, you know how much I love the Masterverse. I think it's great. I love He-Man, love Skeletor, love all those guys. The character that I have in front of me is one of them that you heard me say on the episode I wanted to get. It is a Sun Man and the Rulers of the Sun character known as Pig Head. Pig Head is like one of the bad guys. I think that he is, in fact, the big bad guy. Sun Man is a He-Man knockoff line that was acquired by Mattel. It has kind of an African-American theme. It was made by a mother who felt that there wasn't enough representation in the world of Eternia. And I have to agree, at the time, all there was was Clamp Champ. And honestly, I don't even know historically if Clamp Champ existed at the time. It may have been that there were none. So she went out there and she made her own action figure line. Very cool, very dope. If you don't like what's going on in the news, go out there and make some of your own. And that's exactly what she did. Eventually, her line was acquired by Mattel, added to the Motu line. And now we have cool guys like Sun Man. We have cool guys like Hypno Man. We have cool guys like Pig Head in the Motu universe. Pig Head. Interesting. Pigs are also another slang for the police. One has to wonder if this guy named Pighead is a stand-in for the police, the notorious scourge of every community. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. We're going to jump ahead. We're going to learn some details about him right here and right now. Pighead is Sun Man's arch enemy, and he's part of the cast of Sun Man, rulers of the sun rather than masters of the universe. Pighead is an allegory for the police force which has been a thorn in the side of people everywhere for centuries. Some of those that join forces are the same that burn crosses. Well, there you go. We found out they are, in fact, an allegory for the police force. Let's let's take a quick look at Sun Man. He's here in the packaging. He's green. He has a pig snoot, a Viking-style helmet with horns. He has a mace and some other weapon in there. He has a shield, a replaceable hands. In this wave, there's Sorceress, Manny Faces, Shadow Weaver, and Pighead. Let's go ahead and pop this one open. I got this on the online. I got this one on eBay, the world's biggest marketplace, for only $7.99 ship. There is some damaging to the package, but that's fine with me because we're going to open it up. Let's give these a name. These came recommended to us by Engineer Nerd, so we're going to call these the official E-Nerd action figure tweezers you should mark that let's go ahead pull this one out very easy came right out this is a good tip we're gonna grab this one around the shield pull it out came out are there any others here's another one around his wrist pull that out the inner tweeze worked really good big shout out let's pull the stuff let's take a look pull the stuff let's take a look pull the stuff the detailing on his face very good. He has a couple shoulder pads, spiky shoulder pads that look to be removable. He has a belt around his waist that also goes over his shoulder, like a bandolier. Then he has this cool mace. It's a uh, translucent blue, which I think is really cool. And he also has, he has like a translucent blue snake. And I do not know 
what the purpose of this is, to be honest. But it's pretty cool. You can wrap it around his arm. I don't know enough about the lore. The lore of the world of uh, Sun Man to know if this snake is a representative of something. Let's see. You can wrap it around his body. It's flexible rubber. Pretty cool. Also translucent. Then he has a shield. Let's put the shield on his arm. I dropped it. Didn't go into the desk. Shout out to Preston, who I haven't heard from in a while. Homeboy quit the tweets before I quit the tweets. Then he gave me his info, his contact info. Good guy Preston, Southern Fried Gaming Expo, gave me his info. But then I deleted my tweets and I didn't save any of it. So sadly, I have not heard from him since. If you happen to hear this, hit me up on uh, hit me up on the threads, bro. I see robots on threads. Get on threads. Get on the bus. The world is moving forward, moving into threads. I see robots, I-S-E-E, robots on threads. You can find me there, posting stuff, having a good time, talking about Motus, talking about whatever. Mostly just talking about myself. That's honestly all I ever talk about. Let's take a look. Dude has 30 points of articulation. One, two, three, four. Looks like it checks out. I did some quick math here, and it does check out. This is a pretty good figure, honestly. I don't know what I can say about it that you don't know already. He's a master verse. Amazing detail, amazing sculpting, amazing articulation in line with a Star Wars Black WWE Ultimate figure like that, more along the lines of the deluxe tip. What I like about what I like about Pigman is he doesn't really have like a directly determined backstory, as far as I know. So you can take and you can kind of give him any sort of personality you want. A guy like this, obviously a bad guy. But you could also make him into a good guy because he does have kind of a sympathetic face. He does look like a pig with a snoot. But in fact, he doesn't look like super mean. He has one tusk that goes up. He's like a boar. He has one tusk that goes up and then one that goes down. Which gives him, like, honestly, a little bit of a friendlier appearance. So if you wanted to, you could theoretically put him on the good guy team. Because who knows? I mean, we do kind of know who he is. He's the arch enemy. But do we even know that Sun Man's the good guy? Maybe this is one of those deals where the good guy is, in fact, Pigman. The bad guy is Sun Man. I don't think that's true at all. The line is called Sun Man. So we're just going to kind of presume that he's the hero. But still, this is a good figure. These master verses always deliver, in my opinion. I'm not even kidding. Everyone I've gotten so far, I think, is really, really cool. When I was on the Facebook today, I saw that uh, Engineer Nerd, our guy E-Nerd, we'll talk about him. He runs a group called TV and Film Toys on Facebook. And he posted a picture of the the more retro-style Pigman, the earlier Pighead, rather. The one from uh, the retro line. I thought that was cool. The same day I was going to talk about this, he posted that. So big up to him. Engineer Nerd tweets. Big shout out to everyone in the world. Let's talk about toys again. This time, wrestling toys. Well, let's keep talking about toys, I guess. This time, it's wrestling figures. What a world we live in. A quick intro to the world of Powertown. A new wrestling figure company. Way back in the year 2021, a brand new wrestling figure company appeared out of nowhere. This company was known as Powertown, and they signed seemingly every old-time wrestler that had ever existed to an exclusive contract. I'm talking everybody from, like, Vern Gagne to The Crusher to The Bruiser to, uh, I don't know, Ivan Koloff, Nikita Koloff, The Destroyer. You name it, dude. They were going out there and signing everybody who wasn't already on a WWE Legends contract. They, a Legends contract is what the WWE signs you to and they plan on making merchandise in your name. You get like, you know, a cut. You get like a set fee ahead of time. It's a nice it's a nice chunk of money for dudes who are retired, retired wrestlers. But these, these Power Town guys went out there and signed everybody else. And at first, 
it seemed absolutely ludicrous. Like, they were going to go out there and make, like, action figures of, like, the Koloffs, of, like, the masked superstar from way back in the day. It seemed ridiculous. These things pop up all the time, and they never, they never amount to anything. But guess what? Power Town put out a series of figures. Now, I myself, I have not personally seen these figures. I failed to order them, and because of this, I am filled with deep regret. We'll talk about that in a minute. From But from what I have heard, these figures are awesome. They have great articulation, great detailing, and they should. The dudes behind this company are the dudes who were behind the old toy company known as Remco. The current president of Powertown Wrestling is a guy who's named Steve Rosenthal, and he was, in fact, the president of Remco Toys, who you might know from Sergeant Rock. You might know them from those AWA wrestling figures. You might know them from Chris Star. You might know them from any number of things, but the dude knows what he's doing. And then he teamed up with Greg Gagne, the oldest son of a pro wrestling legend, Vern Gagne. They started making toys together. From what I understand, they released the first wave of figures, and all the dudes, for whatever reason, had a broken leg. They had a broken leg, and people were like, what the heck in heck? So they went ahead, recalled the whole thing, redid it, and came out with guys that had better detail, better articulation, better everything. People were pretty jazzed on these guys. Let's Let's take a look at the first wave of dudes that they came out with. And these are great, and I wish I would have ordered them, but I did not. Because I have a hard time, like, putting my money behind, like, unknown things. I don't normally back Kickstarters. I don't normally do these kind of things. That's just me. I'm super tight with my money. I am a spendthrift. But let's let's take a look. They had Stan Hansen, Stan the Lariat Hansen, and he came with, like, chaps and a cowboy hat and a rope and a cowbell and a belt. This guy, he looks incredible. I've seen pictures of this figure. It looks incredible. Then they came out with a uh, Vern Gagne, AWA Midwest legend Vern Gagne, and he looks phenomenal too. He has a jacket, just awesome. Then there was Carrie Von Erich, who you might know from the movie The Iron Claw, which was like a ton, a ton of fun. This is a beautiful Carrie Von Erich, has a belt, and then Magnum TA, we all know Magnum T.A. from the Dark Side of the Ring. Dude looked like he had the whole world in his hand and he suffered a terrible motorcycle accident. Almost ended his life, ended his career. We will never know what happened, but he did get a figure. Then they also released another Luthez in a larger jacket. And then, to me, the crown jewel of the whole entire thing. They released the Intelligent Monster. Bruiser Brody. I think Bruiser Brody is one of the coolest dudes of all the time. Just Google him. He's a legend. Absolute legend. I think there was a dark side of the ring on him too. But man, this has his fuzzy vest. His famous fuzzy vest. His cow print boots. He has a belt. He has a chain. And man, I wish that I had this figure. I was looking at him on the online the other day on eBay. And while these originally cost like 40 bucks plus some shipping, the Brody's going for 150 bucks. The Stan Hansen's going for 150 bucks. And I'm talking solds, dude. I'm not talking like listings. These are sold. The Magnum's going for the same. Man, I wish I would have got into these. From what I understand, they're a little bit taller than the WWF Ultimates, which some people don't like. People like when things are on scale. And these are a little bit taller, but I've heard that it's close enough. You know, close enough for uh, hand grenades and horseshoes, or it is whatever they say, but man, I would love to have these. The detailing is fantastic. They have articulation, the ankles, the knees, everywhere you'd want to go. They have the little ab flexor, and they are working on Series 2, from what I understand right now. Let's take a look who is in Powertown Wrestling Series Two. There's a bunch of cool guys, Series 2, doing some Googling right now as we speak, and we are going to find out 
who it is, and when we do, I will tell you all about it. Sometimes I just start singing like that when I don't really, uh, when I'm kind of vamping, I guess, when I don't have my data ahead of time, but here we go. Wave number two is going to have Medusa Michelli. We all know Medusa Michelli, WWF, WCW, AWA star, the Junkyard Dog is in the wave, Kamala, the Ugandan giant Kamala, Dory Funk Jr., which I'm oddly interested in. I've always dug this dude's style. Dude wears like a varsity jacket, like a letterman's jacket, a cowboy hat, and then a little, little wrestling bikini briefs. I don't know. There's something about that style that I really dig. Wahoo McDaniel, Native American great Wahoo McDaniel. And then Jack Briscoe, one of the all-time greats in the ring, Jack Briscoe. The thing that I, I look at Jack Briscoe and I think is the most coolest thing about him is that like, one day, he was at the airport. This is what I've heard. I wasn't there. But he was at the airport, and he said, you know, I give up. I retire. He got on the plane, went home, never wrestled again. I like that. Homeboy went out on top, didn't stay around too long, didn't overstay his welcome. Go onto the online right now and check out Power Town. They have a lot of cool stuff. And from what I understand, they're soon going to be making Rimco-style figures. You know, the Rimcos are in scale with He-Mans, you know, they... They came out with a lot of figures. They were on scale with the He-Mans back in the day. And they made wrestling ones from this company, Rimco. They made the AWA guys. And they are going to be continuing this line with some of the dudes. They've already shown prototypes of Magnum TA. They've shown prototypes of Tully Blanchard and a couple others. And man, I got to tell you, I am beyond jazz for these. I might actually have to order some because I think those AWA guys are pretty darn heckin' cool. I think it was episode number 13 of the good old Toys R Us report back in the day, it was probably like nine years ago, where we talked about AWA Rimcos, and man, I think they're great. If they go back to them, I might have to get into it. Powertown is one of the rare companies that comes out, promises big, and then they deliver. I think the fact that they have a dude who was a top executive in a top company such as Rimco behind the, uh, behind the boards kind of led to their success. But from what I've heard from people who have these, they're pretty cool. On the online right now, check in. This is a sold. Somebody just sold a set of six. The six first wave figures for $599. So that's crazy, man. I should have got in. I could have I could have uh, doubled my money. When you see things like this, sometimes, you know, you might want to take a plunge just for the fact that uh, you could do a quick flippity flip. Even though if I had these, I would definitely be holding on to them. But you might do a quick flippity flip and get a little bit ahead. We're going to, uh, we're going to jump ahead. This was fun. I've been wanting to talk about Power Town for a while. These Power Towns, I think, are so cool, man. If these were if these were on the shelf, and I had the chance to get myself a highly detailed Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen figure, the miracle violence combination from All Japan Wrestling, and have them together, I would be stoked. Let's move forward this week in Japanese League Baseball. Why is it world famous if, like, literally less than, like, nobody has ever heard of it? Charging. Like an attempt at irony or something. I don't get it. This week in Japanese League Baseball. This is Derek for this week in Japanese League Baseball. The current state of Japanese League Baseball is one of intense competition and high spirits. In 2023, the Hanshin Tigers placed first in the Central League, and the Dene Bay Stars placed second. Both teams have shown tremendous potential and are vying for the Japan Series Championship. While the Tigers are known for their explosive offense and aggressive style of play, the Baystars are a formidable opponent with their precise pitching and dynamic fielding. The competition is stiff, and the stakes are high, as this may be the year a new champion is crowned. 
The upcoming season of the Japanese Professional Baseball League is looking to be an exciting one with many promising rookies joining the league. The Hiroshima Carp have two highly touted freshman pitchers joining their roster, Kodai Yamamoto and Taiga Saito. Yamamoto is an overwhelming force who threw a no-hitter during spring training, while Saito offers a strong left-handed fastball and stellar control. The Tokyo Yakult Swallows have also drafted two promising rookies, Daiki Tahara and Kazuma Okoma, who are eager to make their mark on the league. This has been This Week in Japanese League Baseball. That was This Week in Japanese League Baseball. And now, the IC Robots Radio Top 5 Movies for the Year, 2023. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I try not to lie to you guys in general, but right now I guarantee to you that I am not lying. I absolutely struggled with the top five movie list this year. I have been thinking about this one for weeks. Whenever I have like a spare moment, like I'm walking the dog or I'm soaking in the Calgon or whatever, I'm thinking about what order these movies should be in. I know basically all the movies that I want to put on the list, but I just don't know what order to put them in. And I got to say, man, I am struggling even up to this pick. I think that there might be a little bit of flipping the script during the show. It's entirely possible that we might see a little back and forth. We might end up with something that's different than the blue note card that I have right here in my hand. I like to write things down on little note cards. This one is blue. I found it in the kitchen. I feel I feel like David Letterman with this. Remember, he'd get these blue cards and he'd like throw them. He'd like fling them all over the place. That was that was a pretty good little bit. But we're gonna we're just gonna jump right into this. We're gonna jump in. Have a good time. Derek's here with us in studio still from the last segment, and he's going to announce this whole thing. Derek, what's number five? Number five. Godzilla minus one. That one was cool, bro. Really made me think about post-war Japan and Godzilla, too. Godzilla Minus One came from good friend of the show, Mark Alley. I would never have seen this movie. I would have never got out of my house, gone to the movie theater, bought his ticket, and gone to see Godzilla Minus One unless he would have recommended this to me. I was hearing some good things. I had heard some good things about it, but I was really like on the fence to where I wasn't, I wasn't going to go. There were other things I wanted to check out. Plus it was subtitled, which isn't like my favorite thing. But then Mark was telling me how great it was over on Ferg's Discord. He told me how much I would love it. So I went to see it and I'm glad I did. The movie was absolutely fantastic. If you have not seen this, it's a Japanese Godzilla movie set in post-war Japan. The country has just been ravaged by the nuclear bomb. This is like the flip side of Oppenheimer. And then... And then the worst happens. Godzilla comes. Godzilla's awakened by the bombs. He comes. He ravages the country. It is terrible. The reason they call it Godzilla minus one is because they're already at zero because of everything that happened in the war. Godzilla comes. They're minus one. This movie was fantastic. I thought it was so great. I can't wait till it hits the streaming. I can check it out a few times. If you haven't seen it, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is, in my mind, in fact, like an art film. You have movies that are made for different reasons. You have commercial films, which are meant to make money, which is awesome. That's where you get, like, your Marvel movies and all these cool things like that. Then you have, like, art films. And these movies are made more because somebody has an idea. And they have a vision that they want to try to bring to life. It's important to them to tell a story. And I think that this movie falls into this category. I think that whoever created this, I'm not sure. I'm not very familiar with the world of Japanese film. But whoever made this, I can tell that they had a story that they wanted to tell. And this movie really elevated science fiction to a level that it hasn't been to in a while. It really... 
It gives you like a heartfelt story. It gives you a real story and it puts you in the shoes of somebody else, which I think is always a great thing when you see a movie. Whenever I go see a movie, I want to see something from a different vantage point. Of course, I do like movies from my vantage point. I do like I do like movies that are aimed to me, that cater to me. But I do like to see movies from other people's vantage point because you can learn things about them through the stories. And in this, I learned a lot about what it must have been like to to be in this country ravaged by war and to be on the losing side of war. It's very good. I cannot recommend this one highly enough. Number five on the list, Godzilla minus one. And now, Derek, if you could please come back out here, rip open that envelope and tell us what's a number four. Number four. Killers of the Flower Moon. I didn't see it. It was super long, right? I don't have time for three-hour movies, bro. I got karate at the dojo and then homework after hanging and clanging with Tomek over at Stan Bennett's. Yeah, man, I meant to say hi. I saw you guys over there the other day, but you were involved with something. You were pushing the cart, and I don't know, man. I, did, I didn't want to get involved, but yeah. This one is super long. It's three hours and 36 minutes, but the movie is an absolute masterpiece. It's great, of course, directed by Martin Scorsese. Of course, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, the, the staples of any Martin Scorsese film. Let's just, uh... Let's Let's just do a quick synopsis of this one. This one's quite an epic film. Based on David Grand's broadly lauded best-selling book, Killers of the Flower Moon is set in 1920s Oklahoma and depicts the serial murder of members of the oil-wealthy Osage Nation. A string of brutal crimes that became known as the Reign of Terror, man. This one is super long, but every minute of it is good. I gotta say that there isn't, like, any part of it I would have come out. I imagine that after a while we're gonna start, uh, seeing fan edits of, uh, shorter versions of the films. Maybe, maybe parts that kind of take a look at certain aspects. Are you guys into fan edits at all? This whole deal where people make their own cuts of the movies, like highlighting different parts it's it's cool man just go google google fan edits there's uh fun stuff to uh watch out there but these things are kind of hard to get a hold of sometime but this is this is a martin scorsese classic and you never know how many more of these you're gonna get every every martin scorsese movie is great in its own way and everyone ends up with this like incredible rewatch history and you just don't know how many more of these you're gonna get in your lifetime so you have to you have to really embrace everyone you have to embrace every minute of everyone and this one has a lot of minutes for you to put your arms around i love this movie a lot unfortunately i haven't picked this one up yet on on the streaming i was waiting for it to pop up on like paramount or on uh netflix i don't think it'd be on netflix maybe maybe amazon is this one actually gonna be an apple i i know not i know not where this one's gonna land but i've been waiting for it to land somewhere so that i could get into it and i haven't fully I haven't fully done that. Maybe I should just go out and get the, get the Blu-ray. Nothing wrong with having a Blu-ray of a Scorsese film. The standout star of this is, of course, Lily Gladstone, who I think is going to win the Oscar. Either either her or Emma Stone. I'm not sure. One of those two, but Lily Gladstone seems like the heavy favorite. Jesse Plemons, always fantastic. Great to see Homie get his due. Fantastic. De Niro is absolutely chilling in this movie. He is chilling in a way not seen since Taxi Driver. DiCaprio, always great. Can't recommend this one highly enough. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend watching it in one shot. It deserves it. Deserves the attention. This is uh, going to end it. Let's move on to number three. Poor Things. That's that movie where Emma Stone is like a sexed up Frankenstein. I didn't see that either. 
My mom said no when I asked her to buy tickets. Too much hanky-panky, she said. There is a lot of hanky-panky in this movie, dude. Your mom was definitely right in not buying you tickets for it. Maybe check it out on Netflix or whatever when she's not around, because it's a good one. Definitely, definitely worth checking out. Poor Things is the story of uh, sexed-up Frankenstein making her way across Europe, learning to be her own person. Learning how to love life, how to enjoy life, how to just be an individual. The theme is, I think, therefore I am. Much like in the Vino Gaga story, there's a lot of similarities there. Our guy Vino going across the world, learning his place in society. Much like Bella Baxter, who is played by the uh, the always fun Emma Stone. Let's take a look at what they what they say about this one over on good old Rotten Tomatoes, where it currently stands at 94%, which is pretty pretty darn good from filmmaker yorgos lanthimos my, my guy, guy yorgos and producer emma stone comes the incredible tale and fantastical evolution of bella baxter played by stone a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist dr godwin baxter played by willem dafoe under baxter's protection bella is eager to learn hungry for the worldliness she is lacking bella runs off with duncan wetterbird this is a mouthful played by mark ruffalo a slick and debauched lawyer on a whirlwind adventure across the continents free from the prejudices of her time bella grows steadfast in her purpose to stand for equality and liberation if you ask me this was the most pro-lady feminist movie of the year. Way more than Barbie, which was fun, which was fine. I enjoyed Barbie. I thought it was good. But if you want a story of a woman learning to be free, truly learning to be free, this is the movie for you. This was made by my guy Yorgos Lanthimos, who you might know from Killing of the Sacred Deer. You might know him from The Lobster. Dude is one of my favorites. When he comes out with the movie, I'll be there opening day, and I know that I will get my mind blown, and mind blown it was. This one is so weird. It is so odd, so strange, and so much fun i just really never knew where it was going like turn to turn and then every few minutes i would see something that would absolutely blow my mind this movie is funny it's fun i do gotta let you know though it's super duper weird and there is a lot of hanky panky involved in this like a lot like a lot this has euphoria levels of hanky panky this movie's crazy it's nuts it's super fun though another masterpiece from our guy yorgos wouldn't be surprised to see uh emma stone win the oscar like i just said the last segment either her or Lily Gladstone. Both were great in their own way. This one is a can't miss piece of art, amazing film, amazing visuals. The world that the world that Yorgos creates, it's just it's just something, dude. Very fantastic. I would call this uh I call this a sci-fi movie, man. Really good mind-bending sci-fi comedy, dark comedy. Before we find out what's number two, let's get a quick message from our good friends at That's a Meatball. Sugar, I'm in love with you. Hello, I am Marco from Dezza Meatball, home of the big boy. We have Meatballs and we have more Meatballs. Deep Freed Meatballs, Wild Meatballs, Backed Meatballs, Microwaved Meatballs, Sandreed Meatballs and more. You want a Meatball? We will give you one on a plate. Come down to our new location in San Jose and tell them Marco sent you and you will get one free Meatball topping from all new Meatball bar. We have everything there from breadcrumbs to tofu flakes if you happen to be a wimp. That's a meatball, home of the big boy, with a new location in San Jose, over by that place everyone dumps old refrigerators and other broken appliances. We now return you to the list. Number 2. 
Oppenheimer. That's another one that I didn't see. Isn't it like four hours long? I wanted to see it but I heard that Logan Paul said it was really boring and I always listen to him for movie reviews. Was it good though? Derek, my dude, I wouldn't rate it number two if I didn't think that it was great. So we're going to have to just go with me ahead of Logan Paul on this one. I remember when the movie came out, I, I, I saw a tweet that somebody retweeted that said Logan Paul went to see the movie and walked out in a few minutes because it was super boring. I mean, there are parts of the movie that are boring, but it's the movie of a long life. It's a movie of a long scientific experiment. And there are parts that are a little bit boring. But overall, this is an incredible achievement in film. Everything about it is very masterful. When you take a guy like Christopher Nolan, what he is is a master of the craft. I find that a lot of his movies don't really have heart per se, but the the acting, the filmmaking, all of it together, it's just an incredible masterwork from a master. I don't think that this is his best film. I think, to me personally, Dunkirk is uh, Christopher Nolan's masterpiece, but this movie is amazing. It's phenomenal. I remember when I saw it the first time, I did think that it was a bit too long, and I did find a fan edit on the online called The Passion of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Look for that. The whole world of fan edits is very interesting to me. This one, this one like cut like an hour out of the movie and focused on the creation of the atomic bomb. To me, that was the really good stuff. When they start the Manhattan Project and our guy Oppenheimer is working with the other scientists on the bomb. It's amazing. It's just an amazing piece of film. There's a lot of stuff about his life that is very important. I'm not going to say that it's not important. It paints the whole picture of the entire person and the entire project. But to me, the making of the bomb is what really sets this movie aside from all, all the other films on the list. There's just so much going on. It's so well crafted. The music, incredible. The sound, incredible. I do think that the actual explosion might not have delivered in the way that we would have liked. But still, man, what's he going to do? Drop a real atomic bomb? And then we'll uh, we'll take it from there, I guess, record it, and, and we'll see what it looks like. I mean, that might have that might have been cool if you heard years later, oh, you know how we did that amazing atomic bomb effect? They actually dropped an atomic bomb. It was phenomenal. No one noticed. They did it on the, on the Warner Brothers lot in the back. Shout out to my homeboy Ben who works for Warner Brothers. May he not get hit with some of the radioactive particles. But I've, I've watched this movie at home at least, I'm thinking three, four times since. It really... It's really a masterful film. I don't think as far as film achievements, there's anything technically that beats this. This one is excellent. If you haven't seen Oppenheimer, go out of your way to see it. You might want to see it in like two viewings. I think that, that would be a good way to do it. Like watch like an hour and a half of it and then come back for the next six hours and, and you'll you'll leave very satisfied. So with all that said, with all the kind things said about Oppenheimer, what movie could possibly be number one. Derek, rip open that envelope and let us know. Number one. The Eras Tour. Bro, the Taylor Swift movie? Huh. That's interesting. I guess that's a good choice. She is having an awesome year. Yeah, man, she is in fact having an awesome year. She might be having the best year of any entertainer in the history of entertainment. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's phenomenal. I, over the course of uh, the past like year or so, I I decided to kind of dig into the world of Taylor Swift. I, I've heard a lot. I knew, I knew a lot of the singles and stuff that you hear on the radio or whatever, but I decided to like really dig into the CDs and, and see what I can learn about this. It's important to stay up on things like this. Like, 
you don't want to be in the future and people look back and they go, hey, man, uh, what did you think of, of Taylor Swift at the time or whatever? And you're like, I don't know. I didn't listen to it. You sound you sound like a rube. One time, one time I asked my uncle, we had just gone to see a David Bowie movie. The wife and I we went to see a David Bowie movie. And I, I asked my uncle, hey, what did you think of David Bowie when, when you, you were coming up? And he's like, I don't even know who that is. I didn't listen to that at all. And all I could think was, wow. You must have uh, really been out of touch with with the world at the time, or whatever, or or you're just fronting. I wasn't sure, but I was a little bit disappointed. So I decided I didn't I didn't want to be like that. So I dug in heavily, and I I liked a lot of what I heard. So when the Eras tour came out, I went to see it. I wanted to see it. I knew this was going to be a big a big a touchstone of our culture. So I went to see it, and man, I had the time of my life. I'm not even kidding. I gave it a vaunted five mics. It was incredible. The movie itself is phenomenal. The show is so good. If you haven't seen the Eras Tour video, I would recommend it. It's probably streaming now. I think it's not landed on Netflix or anything. But when it does land on Netflix or whatever, go out of your way to see it. It's an incredible and incredible performance. It's like three hours of just this gal playing fun songs, having a great time. You see the incredible crowd reactions. When I went to see it, there were people dancing. They were dancing in the aisles. There were people dancing in the front. Everyone was having a great time. People were singing along. And never, not never in my entire life have I seen a movie with a crowd so excited. The whole thing was just incredible. I've never had an experience like that. I'll remember it for the rest of my life. I'll be thinking about it for years. There was this little girl walking up and down the road giving out friendship bracelets to people, and she gave me one. I have a little bracelet from this little girl, and I treasure it. The whole experience was absolutely incredible. Number one thing I saw in the movies this year far and away. Listen, I understand there's going to be people out there who have a problem with ranking a concert film as number one. But dig it. A concert film is a documentary. It's documenting a concert. Therefore, it does, in fact, qualify. But I'm going to throw you a bone. I don't normally do this, but I can understand how you feel. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you what would have been number six. So if you really don't like the idea of a concert film being number one, knock it off. Count number six is number five. Go all the way down. Call Oppenheimer number one. So, Derek, let's do it. Unprecedented move. What is number six? Number six. I think it's kind of cool that Ed still has his Blackberry. I mean, he's, he's keeping it real. The number six movie that I saw last year was Blackberry, the latest from Matthew Johnson, who you might know. You might know him from the dirties. You might know him from a couple different things. He's kind of an indie film director. Very, very talented. And this has been his best movie so far. It is the story of the rise and fall of the Blackberry. I thought this one was super cool. And if you have any interest at all in like retro computing or like retro phones or whatever, this is the movie for you. The, the, the story of the Blackberry is pretty... It's pretty interesting. At one time, like, they were the leaders in the whole entire thing. And now, I don't even know if they're a player at all. I think that I read somewhere that they, they're they involved in the world of, like, cybersecurity. But I don't know if they even, if they even make Blackberries anymore. I myself, I do like a phone with a keyboard. And if they made, like, a smartphone-style Blackberry, I would consider getting one. If it had, if it had, like, a decent-sized screen, I myself... 
I don't watch a lot of videos on my phone. I know some people like to watch their Netflix or whatever, but I don't ever, like, ever watch TV on my phone. Every once in a while, I'll watch, like, an Instagram video, but mostly I just kind of poke around the net, look at toy sites, look at Reddit or whatever. So something like a BlackBerry-style thing would be pretty good for me. I like the... I like the idea of, like, pressing a key and hearing a sound and knowing that you hit one. That's just me, though. I do like, I do like to touch things. I like to live in, like, the analog world. This movie is really, really great. I don't know why it didn't get the amount of press that I thought it would have. I thought this one was going to do really well, but it just, it didn't. It kind of bombed at the box office. I saw a while back on AMC, they took it and they turned it into, like, a three-part miniseries, and I felt that it played pretty well in that format. I don't know how many of you guys saw it, but I did watch it that way, and then I've I've actually factually watched the movie a couple times since. Right now, over on the tomatoes, it's at 94 tomatoes with the people and 98 with the critics, and that is, that is incredible. The movie stars uh, Jay Baruchel, who you might know from like any number of things. Also, Glenn Howerton from uh, It's Always Sunny is in it. Matt Johnson plays a role in it. Matt Johnson is always in his movies, which I think is which I think is kind of cool. He's not, like, an amazing actor, but he definitely, like, can fulfill the roles that he that he gives for himself. Another great movie that he made is a movie called Operation Avalanche. It's about how they fake the moon landing and how these were the dudes who were actually, like, assigned by the CIA to do the faking of the moon landing. The whole thing is, like, it's like a comedy of errors. I thought it was really, really good. If you have not seen that one, I would check it out right now. Go see Blackberry. That one is really good. I don't know why this movie did not do as well as I would have expected. I realized that, like, you know, it's a movie about a phone. But people love phones. People love these things. People used to love Blackberries. It's a very, very good movie. If you haven't seen it, go ahead and see it now. So there you have it, my guys. The top six movies of 2023. Let's get out of this and move into something uh, something else for a few more minutes before we get up out of here. This is KRJF in Santa Rosa. Oh, it's 92.3 in case you were wondering. Keep us on your mind because you are for sure on ours. Not in a creepy way or anything. I'm so glad that I I think that is enough show for today. Let's get ready to take it to the finish line. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. This has been more than enough show for one man for one week. It's been fun. We talked about toys, talked about movies, did all kinds of cool stuff. It's really just been like a hoot and a half, honestly. Maybe even like two full hoots. You never you never know, dude, on the good old-fashioned hoot meter. One and a half hoots, two hoots, three hoots, maybe even four, five, six hoots, if that's even, even possible. I've been receiving a bunch of emails lately about uh, Vino Gega. Vino Gega is, of course, the clone, the Pooptronic clone of Gino Vega. May he rest in peace, Gino Vega. They reminisce over you. The clone, though. The clone is still with us. He's still out there. And as I understand it, he's been out in the world exploring, hanging out with Derek a little bit, just trying to find out what it's like in today's modern world. It's all, what do they call it? He's a stranger in a strange land. He knows not about these things that we deal with today, but we were lucky enough to get an answering machine message from him. He called, let us know what was going on, and he said it was okay to play this on the show. So let's do that right about now. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, Derek, back in the 90s, we thought we were cool with our dial-up connections, but now it's like someone decided to 
upgrade us from a tricycle to a spaceship. And get this, there's no more waiting for that cringe-inducing dial-up sound. No more wondering if I'll ever get connected. Now, it's all instant. I mean, where's the fun in that? Waiting was like a rite of passage. Anyway, just wanted to share this piece of ancient history with you. If you're still stuck in the past, I highly recommend joining us in the future. It's a wild ride. Sarcastically yours, Vino Gega. Sarcastically yours. What a what a guy, this guy. But man, I dig it, dude. Back in the day, getting on the internet was like such a hassle. You had to have a computer, an actual factual computer. You had to have a modem. You had to have a phone line connected to the modem. Then you had to like sit around and wait to try to connect to a, a local BBS or something. Maybe some of you guys were on more of a, more of like a national BBS tip, but I myself, I, I stuck local. I would be at like the Huntsman's Den, the Coffee Pot, any number of these local BBSs. I wish that I had a better memory of that time. I remember doing it and hanging out and playing games and all that stuff, but I really don't remember a lot of the names of the BBSs. There were like quite a few that I would go to every day. I would wake up hit the uh, computer and check out what games I was playing on these local BBSs and stuff. And really, that was like a super cool time in my life. And it led to led to what we have now right here in the uh, in Vino Giga's future. But sometimes I do wonder if I wonder if the Internet is for everybody. There's a lot of like a lot of weird stuff going out there in the world, a lot of weird disinformation, a lot of just whatever. And sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't know if this is for everybody. I don't know if everybody should be out there on the information highway, but that's happened. Not a lot we can do about it. Everybody's out there. So what are you going to do? Vino, thanks for calling in if you're listening, which I highly doubt. He doesn't have time for this kind of stuff. He's out there hanging out at internet cafes. He's over at Scandia playing video games. I don't know what he's doing. He's a man of the world, man. I don't even know where... I don't even know where dude is living. Dude has to have a roof over his head, but where is it? I don't know. Maybe we can get him uh, on, on the show again. Maybe we can get him on the Derek show. I've heard that him and Derek are planning on doing something on his program. So maybe we'll get that. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe it won't. It probably will. But any, any heckin' who. This is me, Icy Robots. I think I'm going to get up out of here. We'll be back in a little bit with another fun episode. I think next episode, I am planning on going to a uh, comic show this upcoming weekend and the guest of honor is the great sam jones who you might know as flash gordon from the seminal film flash gordon so i'm gonna go see him i think i'm gonna take a i have a vhs of flash gordon and i think i'm gonna take that and get him to sign it which is gonna be very cool it will join my collection of signed vhs tapes i have one by sherilyn finn I have one by the great Robert Forrester. My copy of Jackie Brown signed by the great Robert Forrester. I think that signed VHSs are kind of fun. They display well. You can set them on a shelf. They stand up on their own. They make cases already that you can put them in to protect them. It's a neat little collectible. So I'm going to go. I'm going to do that. Hopefully he'll do a panel. I don't know if he will. I imagine that he does. Usually the guest of honor at these things do do a panel. So hopefully he will do one and I'll get to hear him tell tales of uh, Flash Gordon, and then I'll, I'll bring some of those tales back to you guys. But until, until we get there, this is me, Ashley Robot, signing off, saying, if you don't like what's going on in the news, go out there and make it. Alright, um, Am, bring an organ. And you know I got to have that. Some people listen because they want a mystery Some people listen, then say we're whack But if they miss the show, they get a heart attack Now look at you, you're sitting there, biting your lip The whole world sees you as a hypocrite Live out the first law and make yourself preservation It's a show
second. I'd like to thank you for buying this record. But finally, I'd like to thank all the Buffalo girls out there. Yo, slick. Blow. That's right. I see Robots Radio is a listener-supported endeavor. If you like what we do here and you look forward to new programming, consider helping us to bring fun stuff every week by heading over to supportthereport.com and tossing a few pounds into the hat. It's important to support things that you enjoy. Thanks and have a great week. Supportthereport.com Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. folks, I gotta share something with you. I took a hike at Annadale State Park the other day. You know, surrounded by those tall trees and the peaceful sounds of nature. But man, there's something bothering me. Litter. It's like, come on, we've got this beautiful sanctuary, and we're messing it up. So, I decided to do something about it. I grabbed a bag, threw on some gloves, and started picking up the mess. It's not about being a hero, it's about giving back to the place that gives us so much. And here's the deal, I'm not the only one doing it, I'm part of Santa Rosa Trashbusters now. Just a regular guy who cares about keeping Annadelle and our city clean. Wanna be a trashbuster? All you have to do is pick up some trash. It's easy, there is trash everywhere. Quit being part of the problem and be part of the solution. This was brought to you by the Santa Rosa Trash Busters and the Alliance for Not Throwing Your Garbage on the Ground, like a filthy grommet society. This has been an IC Robots Radio production. Oh, wow.